you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is a brand new episode of Tapeheads, Bob Shoes and Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky. We break down football, crawl behind the X's and O's. We talk NFL with you every week here on Tapeheads, and hopefully we give you that nerd side of football you can't get anywhere else. And guys, look, I'm a football nerd. I love crawling behind the X's and O's. I'm going to start this episode with like a cut-through opinion, right? Like I am going to give you as much inside knowledge of the game as I possibly can. Let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Getting Gronk back is important. So that's it. That's me, football expert, kicking off this segment, Scott. Building a roster, like Rob Gronkowski's good. And having him at tight end is important for a team. See, would you want me around the conference table breaking things down for you if you were GM again, right? You'd you'd want to bring me my expert opinion, right, to to help you build a roster. I would say that Rob Gronkowski guy, go get him. But, man, does, does he not change that offense, right? I mean, like, this is a guy that was out of football, that hung it up, that called it quits. You weren't 100% sure what he was going to be when he came back. He starts off the season like gangbusters, gets hurt. They look like a completely different team without him. He comes back, boom, they look like the Bucks again. It Like, he is just such a transformational player and generational talent. It's amazing. Yes, he is, and he's not even at the height of what he was. But again, to me, it's some of the other things that are happening around him. Having him back, even if he's not at the level he was, he creates a threat because he. we know and every opponent knows the importance and how often Tommy's going to go to him and when Tommy's going to make sure that if there's a real crisis, that's where he's going. So that puts pressure on the defense. But to me, it's not that exclusively. It's the, and we've talked about this, it's the evolution and the improvement of Leonard Fournette to me, which I think mm. is critical. You know, you're looking at a guy who's become one of the top three, top two receiving running backs in the entire National Football League. 
And when you go back and you look at Tom Brady's career, since the time he started, when I was first with him, the importance of a running back to be dependable, not just as a receiver and a pass catcher, but as a blitz pickup guy. Leonard Fournette has become that guy that Brady can also depend upon. And what we've had in the past with Lenny was playoff Lenny, right? He had played he played better last year for Tampa Bay in the playoffs and the Super Bowl run, just like he did his rookie year for Jacksonville when he made that run towards the AFC Championship with Jacksonville. He always played better in the playoffs than the regular season. He was not dependable. Tom Brady now, and again, I, I, I am all for Gronk. I'm all for the other receivers. One of the things that has made a significant difference to me in the Tampa Bay Buccaneer offense this year is Tommy now feels very comfortable with the backs that he has, especially Leonard Fournette, who he can get the ball to, and again, who's going to pick up the blitz and do the things. He, because otherwise, if you can't do those simple things, being around Tom, he's not disrespectful about it, but if you can't do what you're supposed to be, supposed to do and be dependable and do extra work before and after practice, you're dead to him. He's got no use for you because you are not going to help him win games. He doesn't make it personal. Like I said, he's just got no use for you on the football team. Gosh, man, I could replay that two minutes for the rest of my life and be content. Uh, (laughs) Because like, all right, I, I think that, you know, last week I raved about Gronk and how important he was to this offense when it came to, like, his performance and just the – I thought they won the game because of him in, in the run game and then his effort. Now I watched this past weekend and I'm going, Gronk's impact with the information that he's giving Tom reminds me so much of what it was for such a long time in New England and they're using him a little bit now that he's back healthy in that – aspect where they 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 put him they put him out there by himself you know in that solo formation and Tom's going okay it's man-to-man coverage great I know what I'm doing with the ball where's my matchup you saw it they put Gronk right in the second quarter there's like 12 minutes and 55 seconds to go Gronk's by himself he's matched by safety Atlanta and Dean Pease their defensive coordinator is going to have seven guys in the middle field all pressure and Tom just catches the snap and casually backs up because he goes oh Chris Godwin's my number three receiver in the trips he's got inside leverage it's man because Gronk told me so I got an outbreaking route ball comes out you're blitz means absolutely nothing to me and then the very next play because they get seven yards catch and tackle very next play it's fourth and three or fourth and four and they got a little bit condensed split somewhat of a bunch with two receivers to the right Gronk outside those two receivers in a trips formation by himself there's a corner out there they motion Gronk in and the step-by-step process of this is the coolest part to me they motion Gronk in the corner being out over Gronk tells Tom it's man-to-man Gronk gets into the bunch you see Tom going to his helmet alert alert hey fellas it's zone we're going to the second play the three guys in the bunch all go alert alert tapping their helmet like we've seen Brady do it so much everybody on the offense now knows hey it's zone it's zone not just the quarterback it's zone then Tom points to a linebacker going offensive line. You guys go block that guy. And then he points to another guy and you look Fournette's helmet. Hopefully everyone goes and looks at this because I'm a dork and I love this stuff. Fournette starts to peek to the right because he's on Brady's left. And he's going, okay, you're telling the offensive line, they got that guy and that guy, great. I know my my guys, that one defensive back to the left. And if he blitzes, I got him. If not, I got to get out with my pass concept. Great, Tom, it's zone. He can't blitz. I already know he's not blitzing. And Fournette gets out so quickly. He gets to the line of scrimmage. He's in the shotgun, line of scrimmage, and his head goes back. 
He doesn't even get into the route. He gets to the line of scrimmage, head goes back, Brady throws it to him, first down. And, and that to me, that play to me is such an encapsulation of who the Buccaneers are on offense right now. Gronk, give me and everybody in the formation. And Scott, you hit the nail on the head. The amount, I think the second most trusted person on that offense right now is Leonard Fournette. Tom distrusts him. And that little check down is an enormous, enormous deal to a quarterback like Tom Brady. And that trust with Tommy is earned. And, and I'm telling you, spending those first nine seasons with him and watching him, again, it, it didn't matter about talent because he was not enamored by talent because he was not a supremely talented tools guy. If you came to practice early, if you stayed late, he was there and there were opportunities to learn and teach. If you came to meetings early, it was all that stuff. So the work, what you just described, Dan... That was learned weeks ago and in places no one ever gets to see. Right. Yeah. When you're putting a, a roster together, though, with a, with a guy like that, Scott, and I we probably saw a little bit of this, probably a lot of the, the animosity that we saw with Aaron Rodgers and the front office in Green Bay was, hey, like, I know the guys that can think on my level. I, Randall McCobb might not be at the top of your list in terms of talent or how much gas he has left in the tank. I know if that guy's on my team, he's going to know what I want. He's going to be on the same wavelength. He's going to get me. So when you're sitting around either looking at free agents, talking about the draft, I mean, how much of the discussion is, look, hey, like scout A, you might think this guy has every possible tool in the toolbox. I have to know if he's got it between the ears to play with my quarterback because my quarterback just operates on a different level mentally. Well, that was part of how we built our football teams for years is if you were not a smart player and a quick thinker, and it didn't. It wasn't just receivers. It wasn't just backs. It was offensive linemen. Yeah. Part of the reason that Dan Copen was an outstanding center for us was because of his intelligence. Yeah. Part of the reason Joe Andrusi, who was, again, and I say this with all great respect, Joe was limited athletically, but he was a smart football player. One of the best football players that we had in those early teams was Mike Compton. You have to be, if you're not smart, it's a cultural thing. Whatever your right. culture is going to be, whatever way that your leadership group, and that includes your head coach, your coordinators, your GMVP player personnel, and the leaders on your football team, you have to bring players in that are not robots like that, right. but they value the same core beliefs. And that's what you have to do. You can't, if you have a smart quarterback, you can't have other players around him that aren't smart because they're going to make mm -hmm. changes. And again, those people are just going to fall by the wayside if they can't. It's like anything in life. If you can't keep up, I'm not mad at you, but you just need to be somewhere else. But hey, Dan, can I ask a Tom Brady related question, though? Because he comes to this team. A lot of these pieces were in place, right? Like these receivers, these backs, a Leonard Fournette, he was already there. So what is it about Tom Brady now that goes through obviously an, an evolutionary process with some of these guys when he gets there to then get on the same wavelength with them or mentally to bring them along with him right. so that mentally now they're at a different intelligence level, it seems, as an offense than even the pieces that were already there were when he got well, there. I, I don't think Leonard Fournette got there till after Tom. I right. don't but, think, but, right? But the receivers were there. Yeah, Godwin and right. Mike. Uh, Bob, I think the reality is this, um, and this is me just keeping it real. You... Quarterback, Tom Brady, right. 
are my best way to make a lot of dollars. <laughs> that, because of you, I'm going to make a lot of dollars. That's just the truth. I guess it's a good and point. If, and if I, if I just listen to you for a 24-month span of my life, and I trust that you are going to do what's best for me, and I, I, be, and, and I, I believe that you've got my best interest in heart because what's best for me is what's best for our football team. One, I'm going to be a better player because of you. Two, I'm going to be a better player long-term watching you. Three, you're going to help me get a lot of money. I, that, that's just the truth. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are going to get a lot of money because of their performance attached with Tom Brady. There's a play in this game, Bob. It, they're, they're in a, again, I'm going to keep talking about these plays and hopefully people go watch them. They're in a three-by-one set. Godwin is the number two receiver. It's a zone blitz, and Gronk's got a crossing seam as the tight end. Godwin's got a short end, meaning he goes pushes up five to six yards, and he's got an in route. The outside receiver, number three, has got an in route as well. Chris pushes up to his five or six yards, and he starts to turn in, and he sees that both defenders, one is carrying Gronk, and one is kind of leaning towards Gronk with vision on Tom. He immediately stops because you don't run to bad people. You don't run to color. And Tom, right when he stops, and it's not, this isn't a designed stop route because the outside receiver is running his in route. That would be a, that you would never design an outright outside receiver run the in route to a stop route. And right when he stops, Tom puts it on him and it's like a 12 yard gain. And that is the perfect example of Chris. Chris doesn't do that on his own. That happens because Tom tells him, hey, man, like if you got de de defenders inside there, don't run to them, sit into that three-yard window, soft spot, I'll put it on you. Chris had 14 catches for like 1,000 yards this past weekend. You know, and, and that's, what, that's what it is, Bob, is those guys just listening to the 20-plus years of just invaluable information that Tom has and, and going, I'm, I'm going to trust that you're going to get me to do the right thing per what the play tells me on almost every single play, and I'm going to break the franchise record for, for catches in part because of it. And Dan, here's the one little caveat that I'll add to that. It's not just listening to him. There's an investment that those players must make in time. No doubt. And proximity yes. with Tommy on the field, again, pregame, postgame, locker room. So you're, you are absolutely right. It's listening to him. But it's more than just listening with your ears. They're not going to have that conversation on the phone. They're not just going to have that conversation. There's an additional investment of yes. time, and, and, and again, time and proximity and togetherness because Tommy is all about interpersonal relationships. Well, we've got the Bucks going back to the Super Bowl. We've got the Patriots winning the AFC East. Uh, we've got the Dolphins winning five in a row. And um, I don't know, maybe we'll do a segment on the Jets at some point, guys. At some point. Ah. Okay, at some point. All right, let's see if we keep this podcast going for the next five years. <laughs> um, we'll talk about the Dolphins coming up a little bit later on, but the Chargers and Bengals, really interesting game. We're going to get into that next on Tape Heads, and the battle of these two young quarterbacks was the losing quarterback, the better quarterback. That, when we come back on Tape Heads. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Chargers and Bengals, a really interesting game. Let's talk about that one now on Tapeheads. This is how the game maybe turned when Joe Mixon made a mistake. Mixon bounces right ball on the ground, scooped up, scooped up by Tavon Campbell. 40, 30, 20, 10, touchdown Chargers 60 yard fumble return for Tavon Campbell well scoop and scores obviously are huge momentum changing plays that one certainly was at the end of this game look we we've talked about it a million times guys the winning quarterback always seems to get way too much credit sometimes the losing quarterback gets way too much blame This is going to be one of those matchups as we go through the years where we see Herbert and Burrow squaring off with one another. We're going to want to compare the two. Let's start this with that comparison. I mean, was Joe Burrow maybe the better quarterback in this game in spite of the fact that his team came up on the short end when you look at the way that the two played? Yeah, I I had thought that. I had sent a tweet out uh, Sunday night after rewatching that game at about 7 o'clock and I was not received well. Um... (laughs) That's just kind of how I felt after watching the game, though. It's kind of I've, I'm always going to remain committed to my eyes, and that's what my eyes said. I thought Justin played well. I just thought Joe made more impressive throws when it came to, you know, the difficulty of a throw, meaning placing a ball in between defenders or throwing it into a window or having great anticipation and ball placement, kind of the quarterbacking of it. I thought Joe made more impressive throws and had less misses. Now, did, do I think that Justin made farther throws? Yes. Or throws that were thrown harder? Absolutely. His guys made plays down the field. You know, and, and I'm going to credit Los Angeles for, for being, I've been begging the Chargers to just call more shot plays on first and second down. They did that. And Justin pulled the trigger on it and let it go. His guys made those 50-50 opportunity plays, the jump balls on three different occasions. 
I am not in any way minimizing Justin's performance. It was good to really good, really good. Like he threw for 300 yards in an NFL game on the road. That's really good. I just was so impressed with Joe. And I thought that Joe, and, and that's kind of one of the things, again, a mission statement of mine is just because a quarterback lo- loses doesn't mean he played poorly. And just because a guy won just doesn't mean, doesn't mean that he played incredible. And so it was, you know, this was a game that went 24. I, I thought the game swung on two plays, really, Bob. The, in the late in the first quarter, he throws a go route to Jamar Chase that is a walk-in touchdown, and Jamar bobbles it, and it becomes an interception. I mean, that, that matters. You're, you're talking at least Heck seven yeah. points off the board, and the Chargers got it, and the next play took that one of those, you know, shots downfield that becomes a jump ball. That's a 14-point swing. And then the Joe Mixon fumble second and two. It's a two-point game with like a minute to go in the third quarter. They're marching down the field. I believe that they're going to go score. Second and two, it's a fumble returned for a touchdown. So we're talking a 10-point swing. So, again, I, I just thought Joe Joe was so impressive. I'm not surprised by it. Justin played well, but I, I just felt Joe with the types of throws played better. Dan, I don't disagree with you. Mm. You know, I, I because here's, you know, I thought Burrow played well. The Bengals did not. And you just mentioned, well you, you, you know, two plays that were that were – right there for you to see but there was another play that stood out to me and 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 it was early in the it was in the second quarter with about five minutes left before the half the Bengals have a second and four situation they run a play action pass and it, it, it up to that point it, it looked like the gang that couldn't shoot straight they were they were just out of sync they weren't in any kind of groove they were yeah. completely out of sorts but on this second and four play there's a play action and burrow comes out from under the center fakes the ball to his right, and Mixon's gone left. Mm. Mm. The line is going two different directions. And, and and Burrow, like, you could see him almost like for a split second pause. It, it was like one of those plays when you see that in practice where they everyone just kind of pulls up like, yes. come on, let's do it again. Yeah. What the heck I are we he doing? was going to pull up and yeah. say, come on, let's do it. But then they went through with the play and it was an incompletion. And I said to myself, okay, this is what this whole that encapsulized the whole first half. And to me, again, Burrow played well, the Bengals didn't. And on the flip side, you're right. I thought that Herbert played really well, and he, but his plays were more sexy, and he had a team around him that would made more plays, was more yeah. opportunistic. So to me, I'm I'm down with you with with your with your statement, and I could and I can also understand the frustration of Chargers fans and people out there who are, are Justin Herbert fans sure. because well look what my guy did. Sure. I mean that that that's the game. Well, no, go ahead. No, I think I was just gonna say, Scott. Like I think it's important to clarify. Neither of us think that Justin played bad. I think both of us Correct. have said Correct. he played good. We just feel that watching Joe, you go that perform. And I thought the way you phrased it was perfect. Joe played good. The Bengals didn't. Watching Joe's performance was one of those situations where we go, that should have been a win. That quarterback play should have resulted in a win for his football team. Yeah, and the Bengals had four turnovers, six yes. penalties, and those six penalties, you know, I've said this before, not every turnover is the same, not every penalty is the same. It was six penalties, but they were harmful penalties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we talked about the Bengals and how they've kind of reinvented themselves since their bye week, that they have been a team that's taken the heat off of Burrow a little bit and been more run heavy. Going down the stretch of this season, if you were going to play the way the Chargers play or the way the Bengals play, 
take the I mean they both seem to have I think kind of a an equal level of talent right I think sure. I don't know that either of these two teams looks like one that you know is a notch above the other roster wise would you rather navigate the end of the season <laughs> with the way the Bengals have kind of schematically been playing of late or maybe leaning too much on your quarterback if the Chargers are doing that and throwing deep 50-50 balls and hoping I mean, which way would you guys want to mm. lean? Uh, I would I would probably lean towards Cincinnati. You know, 50-50 balls are 50-50 balls. You know, yeah. it, it, those those two plays that really swing the game with their three plays that are shot plays, if you hit one of those, you don't win. They hit all three. So I, I think that if they – I, I got to see the Chargers continue to do it as well. I got to see them continue to take their shots because they haven't done it a lot um, I still, I think, again, I'll go back to the way that Scott phrased it. I think it's such a good point. They just, the Bengals just didn't play well. And again, they didn't play well. And it's a two point game with one minute to go in the third quarter. So I, I believe that over the body of work, I, I think the, the way that Bengals play, I trust a little bit more. Here, here's what I'll say about these two teams. And I think this is where, you know, when we see a team win and start to have success, they have young quarterbacks or like, oh, here we go. This is it. We, it, it is a st- Steep climb, we're going to the top. And I think sometimes it's that, uh, again, overreaction after a game. Because I think you stop and, if you stop and pause and look at both of these clubs, let's look at the entire over... There's been a great deal of volatility. They have great weeks. We think that they're about to hit the groove and, and become one of the best teams in the conference and in the league. And then they have a stinker. But you've got two of the youngest quarterbacks in the NFL. These are kids. Mm-hmm. You've also got... Two very young head coaches, their most important leaders of their franchises are young. And with youth comes inconsistency, not intentionally, because there's a learning curve that's going. These quarterbacks are both learning how to win in the National Football League and win consistently, right? And anyone can win a game any week in this league. But when you want to stack things up consistently and be a consistent winner, it's part of it coming around where the quarterback gets experience and these head coaches are gaining experience. Again, let's let's remember how many games these guys have been head coaches for as well. So I think that there's still time on the come, but they're going to hit the crossroads pretty soon with their entire leadership groups. Right. You know, it's interesting. A lot of what you just said, Scott, about a young coach, a still developing coach, a young quarterback, a baby in the league that you're still trying to see what he could be, can we apply all of that to the Dolphins? Mm -hmm. Because that's something we're going to talk about when we come back, right? The Dolphins have followed a seven-game losing streak with a five-game winning streak as they go into the bye week. Let's talk about Miami when we come back Mm -hmm. on Tape You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back here on Tapeheads. Don't look now, but the Miami Dolphins have won five in a row, and their head coach, Brian Flores, after their win this past Sunday, spread the credit around. Uh, I'm seeing the same things that you know we saw earlier in the year. I, just, I mean, I continue to say this. It's there's a there's a process there and then I think a lot of people look at the production and think that that's uh, you know that's the kind of final uh, analysis of a player but I think he's he's you know I haven't watched the film but uh, I know there's some other games that based on some things that I saw already that um, he did better in some instances and some other things some other games we had some production today Um, we need that and um, he's doing a good job he's doing a very good job we got a lot of guys who are doing a good job that aren't getting, you know, you know the stats, you know, the flash stats. But you know, I think we got a lot of guys playing well, and he's one. He's certainly one. So back here on Tapeheads with Scott Pioli and Dan Orlovsky, guys. We hear from Brian Flores. Obviously, we keep on talking about the quarterbacks, and certainly the, the development of Tua in Miami is the number one topic down there. But overall. That's a team that's playing some pretty good football, right? I mean, they are a team that seems like on both sides of the ball. And Dan, you know, Tua operates an offense within seven yards of the line of scrimmage. That's kind of how he has to play. Nothing wrong with that if you execute it well. I don't know if their defense is getting enough credit, right? It seems to be all about Tua, and now they've won five in a row and the coach, the quarterback. But, man, their defense is playing well. Yeah, so defensively, I think the simplest way I'll phrase it is they are all about first down. If they win first down, watch out. Because that zero blitz package is coming. And the reason I kind of phrase it that way is when they line up and play their zero blitz, your number one job as an offense is to make sure you don't get hurt. And so naturally you go, all right, ball's got to get out. We just don't have enough people to block. They're always going to have one more than your blocking rules are going to allow for it. And then then it's a three-yard completion or something like that. And then, all right, well, here's third and seven. It's coming again. Four-yard screen pass to the perimeter. Great, we're going to run out of a tackle. Here comes the punt unit. So if they went first down, which they've done a lot better job of lately, um, I think Jevin Holland in their back end has been a huge addition as well as a rookie in getting settled. That's why their defense is playing so well right now is they're winning first down. Now, offensively, I will push back on something you said, Bob, respectfully, and I love you. <laughs> I don't think the way their offense is playing is the way that Tua has to play. I think their offense is playing that way because their offensive line is so bad. And that's just me being honest. I think their offensive line is bad. It has not improved. I think it's actually gotten worse than it was last year. And I think the way that they're playing offense and the way that Tua is playing is because their offensive line. Um, Their offense reminds me, and you guys, I need your wisdom of years here. 
Um, it reminds me of the Princeton basketball offense. Who's the coach? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. He can't ever Pete, ask me a basketball Carroll, question. Carroll? Okay, so <laughs> constant movement. I mean, there's door cuts. there's there's constant movement on this offense. They 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 are very few snaps where it's stagnant. They're always running people at the snapper. You know, before the snapper, while the ball is getting snapped horizontally, and two is given all this ball handling, ball faking. I think it's actually really smart. Now, sometimes you you see the battle. You know, who's who's the play caller? But the battle and what what's happening is two was able to process so much so quickly in the midst of all these moving parts. It is a one hundred percent ball distribution offense. It is an offense that's predicated on yak yards after the catch. And Tua is doing such a remarkable job of on a day or a play-by-play basis of making that right decision. Hand this one off. Keep this one. Kick it to the flat. Kick it to the alley, which is right in between kind of the, the top of the numbers and the hash. Kick it to the top of the field, move, uh, middle of the field. Move my eyes or move this defender with my eyes. Kick it out to the hash again. Get outside. Just constantly making these high-level decisions uh, second by second, play after play. And the connection for Jalen Waddle is real and that he has. But uh, I think Tua is doing such a great job of just being Steve Nash. Yeah, and, and Bob, going back to um, how we segued into this, and, you know, one of the most important things in any football team, any business, any industry is to manage expectations. And I think with the Miami Dolphins, one of the things that yeah. – and I will just say I don't know where it where it always comes from because because it can come from different places within your organization. I'm not even just saying just the football operation. The expectations, in my opinion, were not managed very well for the Miami Dolphins. Right? They had they had seen improvement last year. They were one of the off season darlings. They opened the season with a win over the Patriots, and there still hadn't been a whole lot of staff continuity. There was a lot of change again this offseason. They were a young team that I think was beginning to smell themselves a little bit, right? And and they thought they smelled good or smelt good, <laughs> as we say back in my hometown. And um, as B-Flow said, Brian Flores said, this is about a process, right? This is about the quarterback having a process. But for some reason, this team coming into the season was a, was out over their skis, and there's still problems there. You know, Dan, you mentioned the offensive line play, but I think it's also offensive line overall collective talent working together where there's a bit of an issue. And that, it's not a disrespect for the players, but they just don't play like a cohesive unit for whatever the reason is. And so to me, this is a young football team that is still in the midst of, of the process and they were being crowned and anointed uh, you know, being something that they weren't, and they hadn't had enough continuity at the quarterback position, the most important position, and there was so much uncertainty. So, you know, I, I go back when I look at these teams with with young head coaches, with young leadership, you know, th- this is a very long process, and one of the most important things that you can do is manage expectations. And, you know, you go up north in that same division talking about managing expectations, and I'm talking about at the Patriots, we talked about this on Tuesday what they do in in that organization is to also manage the expectations of their quarterback and Mac Jones and what he was going to be, what they thought he was going to be, even the way that they played the game on Monday night was managing the expectations because they themselves manage their expectations of their quarterback. Is there a situation, I mean, you guys have both been through this, obviously, where a team can start off the year the way the Dolphins have at one and seven, 
and go on a run towards the end of the year and actually carry that over into the next season. I mean, even in this five-game win streak they've got, they beat Baltimore, which is a great win, obviously, at home. They beat Houston. They beat the Jets. They beat Carolina. They beat the Giants. A win is a win in the NFL. And we'll see how they do over their last four games after their bye week as well. But, I mean, as the Jets guy, I always hear when they finish off the season, even if it's a non-playoff season, by winning four or five of their last seven, well, they can carry this momentum over into next year. It never really seems to happen. So is, is every season just really an entity unto itself? Or should a Dolphin fan have the right to say, look at what they're doing end of this season. Now I should expect the jumping off point next season to be my team feels like they ended last season hot. There's momentum. Or is that just something that we say in the media? Bob, it's absolute fool's gold. But and okay. it's not just the media. It's not the media's fault because what happens, and again, I've with 27 years with organizations, I was there trying to get more season ticket holders because they're trying to sell more jerseys. They're trying to sell, sell, sell. There's someone in the organization that doesn't know better that is not, again, managing expectations. And there's momentum. You are looking, the complexion of a team is going to be completely different from year to year. The complexion of a team is different from week to week, from quarter to, and I don't mean quarter of a game. I'm talking about the quarter of a season. That's why one of my, one of the things makes my head want to explode in the off season is when the schedule comes out and people start talking about strength of schedule. I mean, what does that mean? That you, you're, you're, quantifying the strength of a schedule based on a team and their performance last year. And, you know, to me, so again, it all, much of it comes back to managing expectations and you, you can't carry momentum into the next season. It's, it, it, it's just not, it, it's, forgive me. It, it's, I know you're, that's not your statement. It's a question you're asking to me. It's absolutely nonsensical. All right. Well, I, you know, I've, I've said it as a knucklehead member of the media. So I just wanted to make sure that what I was yeah. saying was complete BS. And it turns out it is. <laughs> I just don't No, yep. Bob. I just, I think as players, I think as a younger player, I thought that might be a thing. And I probably bought into the things that were being said on the outside. Once like February comes around, you're like, yeah, I don't really remember what happened last season. Like every season is just so new. Every we you go eight or nine months from playing a game. You don't carry over stuff from OTAs that much, let alone the season before. So um, I, every season is just so new. Um, I think it helps potentially maybe maybe Scott could speak to this more. A free agent maybe, who, who a veteran free agent who wants to win. You know, I want to go to a team that's got a chance. That might make them feel a little bit better about their decision. Um, I think it it um, it certainly keeps a good vibe going around. But once week one comes around, it's it's put up or shut up. Yeah, and, and Bob, I honestly love your optimism, and I believe in optimism. And I also think as media members, you, you know, I think you're told part of what you what you react to and respond to and and talk about is part of what you're told and what you hear and what you see. And you want to be an optimist. And again, particularly, you know, you, you working with the Jets, that's part of it, right? You want to be optimistic. That's part of your job to be optimistic. So it's not. Yep. That's it's it. Not, you nailed it. I'm going to speak like my hometown again. It's not not being smart. It's being optimistic. It's part of, sure. you know, hope is what is that? Hope springs eternal, or whatever that. There you go. And, and 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 that's okay because inside the building you are too. You just have to go about it and manage your expectations because if you put something out there, um, you know, as a leader, it's okay to be hopeful and to be optimistic. You also have to be at the same time realistic. Mm -hmm.
Well, that optimism might continue for the uh, the Dolphins because they've got a bye week this week, and then they host the Jets coming up in two weeks. That's their first game out of the bye as they will try and keep it rolling and make it six in a row. We want you to hit us up on social media. Let us know you are a tapehead because we will be back next Tuesday. We'll talk Bills Bucks. That is a really interesting game this weekend. Rams Cardinals as well. And here comes the Taylor Heineke Express to the Dallas Cowboys. Get ready, Cowboy fans. You're taking on the Washington football team this week. Those are games we will certainly talk about. Let us know the teams you want to hear about as well. We'll see you next week on Tapeheads. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.